Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome all of you to this series where we're going to talk about something that we're all dealing with, we're all facing. We're going to talk about the changes that come into our lives. I want to welcome all of those that are watching online, welcome those watching in a video venue here at the Keller campus. The truth is we're one church, but we meet in multiple different rooms, our McKinney campus And I'm excited about this being the inaugural first gathering weekend for our Hazlitt campus. Come on, put your hands together. I've already heard great reports about what God's doing there, so we're thinking about you and excited about what God's doing in Hazlitt. Well, as we get kicked off with this idea of change, I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the Old Testament. We're gonna look, it's gonna take me a moment to get there at Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 is where we're going to start and look at this large story of the Bible. And we're going to talk about how God works in our lives in the areas of change. I do want to celebrate something with you. And I always love to give you some behind the scenes because a lot of times you can feel God is moving. You can sense he's moving, but you may not know some of the inside information that I know about what God's doing in our midst. And so I always just love to tell you about that. Last weekend, we had Next Generation Weekend. And I get emotional all weekend because... There's so many people that I know that struggle with young people. I know some of you out there, you're listening to me and you got a grandchild or a child or somebody you're praying for. And I just love these weekends where we see young people excited about God, serving God, using their gifts. And I might add, they've really embodied this. You don't have to wait till you're old to be great because this was not some B-level weekend. I became a senior pastor at 21 years old. So I'm the wrong person to tell you can't do something because you're too young. Now, I didn't say I was a good senior pastor. I said I was one. (laughs) The people in our church were telling the story of Moses. They were on the earth with Moses when I was a senior pastor. (laughs) And they would routinely tell me, I don't think I can follow you. And I would routinely think, I don't think I would follow me. (laughs) But I'm it. But these guys, I'm talking about anointed, gifted hungry to serve God, doing a fantastic job. Let me tell you a little behind the scenes that you don't know. As you look at worship there, Avery was one of the young people that was leading worship. And we started off with this value and this vision for spiritual family. For There's a lot of investment goes into um, doing what we do in a church and that we didn't want to just be a gathering of people that came to listen to one important person talk, but we wanted to be a family that raises up sons and daughters and sees the next generation walk in their calling. And I want you to know a little behind the scenes, uh, Avery, she's a fourth generation of God's handiwork in this vision of raising up those coming behind Because Betsy, who you heard earlier, she was a part of the team that moved here, 32 of us, meeting in a school cafeteria 19 years ago. And then, you may not know this, but the one who wrote that song, The Same Power That Raised Christ from the Dead Lives in You, was written by a girl who came to church here at 16 years old when we were meeting in a grocery store behind Taco Casa. 
That's the house of the taco if you've never been to that place. But come on. God does stuff behind the house of the taco. And she had a lot of challenges, gave her life to Christ, raised up in this house. And then there's another young lady, Emily, who throughout her college years, we have a residency program for people training for ministry. And while she was in college, raised up here and leading worship. What I'm telling you is, there was a moment in scripture where Paul said to Timothy, and churches everywhere have this desire because we know it's scripture, but we don't always see it, where Paul said to Timothy, Paul, here he is, a spiritual father, you my son, you impart these things to faithful people who will raise up others also, where there's this generational transfer of God's plan. I want you to know you're seeing it in your midst. And I'm gonna tell you, that's a place to celebrate. That's a place to celebrate because there's a lot of people looking for hope in this world and I'm telling you, Jesus said, pray the harvest is plentiful and I've been doing this since I was 21 and I'm gonna be 48 here coming up next week, 27 years. I've never seen a generation of people right now hungrier in this moment with all the chaos in our world where people are hungry and desperate to see God and I want you to know that the answer to it is just what we're seeing, young people all ages going out into the plan and the purpose of God. But we're talking about change. One thing you can be guaranteed of is that it's coming your way. It comes our way. It's part of life. And the reality is sometimes it's expected or desired change. Truth is, a lot of times we pray for it. We pray for that new job. We pray for that new kid. And then that new kid comes and they poop and have diapers and whine and cry and they have challenges. And we're a lot of times going, oh man, my life is different, but that's what you prayed for. <laughs> and we get the new job and we're like, man, this has new pressures. And I don't know if I should have prayed for the new job or we moved to the new place or the new opportunity. And sometimes it's unexpected. Change comes into our lives. And the fact is, we all face things. You may be facing something right now where you're like, I didn't have this in the plan. This was not part of it. As I looked out into where God was taking me or taking those around me, I, I didn't see this and I don't want this. And you're saying, how do I face it? Look, change comes into our lives. The second thing I've learned about myself is I'm not as good at it as I would like to think. I find that I struggle with it. I, I have to work through it. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a change-oriented, visionary, futuristic person, and I found that even though I may be futuristic, I like my comfort. I like my routine, and the older I get, the more I don't want change. Change is not as easy for us as we'd like to think. What we're learning in this series, and we're gonna learn through this story that I'm about to tell you about, what we're gonna learn and what gives us so much hope and confidence is we serve a God who tells us he never changes. He never changes. He is an anchor. He is a stable force. He is a trustworthy God. And we all need to know that from time to time, especially when we're in change. You may have never had anyone in your life like that. You're like, Jeff, I've never been able to depend on anyone. I've never been able to trust the authority figures in my life. Well, I want you to know, I wanna introduce you to a God who you can trust no matter what you face. We're gonna learn it in this story that is a big story of the Bible. There's movies made about it. 
And it is a story of God's people, the children of Israel. It spans several chapters. This group of people, God sets them free. They're in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh. Again, movies, Disney movies, old movies made about this story. But a lot of times I think we miss the details of the story. And did you know in the New Testament in multiple places, the Bible actually tells us we should study this story. And the reason we should study this story is our hearts can be just like their hearts. That says, in fact, these people are an example for us. This story, they're in bondage and they're in slavery to Pharaoh. They're fulfilling his desires and God raises up Moses, an unlikely candidate. If you feel like you're an unlikely candidate for God to do something great with, good. The, The fact is, if you Look at the Bible, it's not an edited version of the story, it's filled with unlikely candidates. Moses doesn't think he can talk well, he ends up making some mistakes, runs from God, he's hiding, 80 years old, God calls him into his destiny because God never says you're too young, he also never says you're too old. And he uses this man Moses and a bunch of crazy miracles that I don't have time to go into, and he releases them out into this place where he wants to take them from bondage to the promised land. That's the the snapshot. That's what he wants to do. But the fact is, they end up not taking what should have been an 11-day journey to the promised land, they end up wandering for 40 years in this desert wilderness. Every time I look at that, I'm still mind-boggled by it, right? 11 days, boom, there you are to God's next step, 40 years of wandering. And this struck me in this story of fresh and anew as I studied it over my study break this summer again. There were two and a half million of them. They went in as 70 people and flourished in Egypt because God's people flourish even under challenging circumstances. Two and a half million, and two and a half million set out on the journey to. I wanna say it again, two went in. Why do we need to know that detail? Because again, they're an example for us on how we respond to the changes that in fact, again, they prayed for. They prayed for God to set them free and take them to a new place and then they struggled with it. So change is challenging. The truth is the Bible reflects on this story that I wanna tell you this piece of the story today. Remember, they're set free, they're out in the wilderness. You may feel like you're out in this wilderness in a new step. The Bible gives us some insight. I'm gonna go to Exodus in a minute, but look at Nehemiah 9.19. I thought this was interesting reflection. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. He doesn't abandon us at new steps. You may feel like he's abandoned you, but by day the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them. This is what we're gonna talk about this weekend. In this story, this pillar of cloud, it did not fail to what? Guide them. When you hit new changes, you feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And now we've got information upon information and people have opinions upon opinions and I don't know what to do. Let me encourage somebody today. We're gonna learn this weekend, if you don't get anything else, God will guide you. He will guide you. He did not abandon them. He guided them on their path, nor by the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way that they were to take. Now, some of you have an understanding of the Bible and maybe even a heritage where you're like, 
man, pillar of fire and this, this smoke, this cloud. You're like, man, that sounds powerful, you know? And you kind of understand that, you know, God's glory came down and you're like, okay. But for most of you, you're kind of thinking, wait a minute, a cloud, a fire? Again, some of you, it may not be as uncommon. We started in a cafetorium. We then rented a little building. And I remember one weekend, I, I, I walked out to shake hands after preaching, looked back in the sanctuary. It's kind of like earlier here at the Keller campus during the service, there's all this smoke. Well, the church I grew up in, one, you didn't raise your hand during worship. You didn't raise your hand unless you had a question. You know what I'm saying? And they weren't going to answer it. And we didn't have smoke. And I remember this guy walked up to me. He's looking in the sanctuary. There's all this smoke. And he goes, God's presence is here. I went, what? He goes, yeah, it usually follows me around to whatever church I go to. I'm like, dude, I hate the smoke machines, but that's the smoke machines. He's like, well, why don't you change it? I'm like, I don't know. You don't have as much power as you think as the pastor, but don't ever tell anybody else that because that's weird, okay? Just, just helping you out. You know what I'm saying? The smoke. Most of us are like, wait a minute, this cloud, what, what does that look like? What is that? We're going to unpack this a little bit, that God, out of great compassion, did not leave them with no opportunity to know what he's up to. A cloud, a fire. I would really say it's less like, again, the smoke, and you might say, man, I wish I could get that cloud. It's less of that and more like a nightlight for a kid. How many of y'all, when you remember when you're kids, it's like nothing really changed, but when you turn the nightlight on, they're in more peace. What God was saying is, I'm not leaving you alone in this. I'm going to give you a nightlight, if you will, to make sure you know you don't need to be afraid. I'm right there with you in the journey. Now, if you're not following the cloud, if you're not following the pillar of fire, if you're not following God himself, you're like, what do we normally do when change comes our way? Well, here's what I've learned about myself. We can be fixers. Don't bump anybody beside you right now. Don't bump anybody at the Hazlitt campus going, yeah, that's you. That. So a lot of us, I think a disproportionate number of those kind of people are kind of in our context where it's like, man, it's a problem and I'm telling you what, I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna figure this out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna, I, this is not what I want and we're gonna fix this. And, and, and the more you try to fix it, the messier it gets. I'm gonna try to fix it. Some of you are processors. Most of you that are processors are married to a fixer. You're like, hold on, let me think about this. And the fixer's like, okay, you're done thinking, let's fix it. <laughs> so you're just kind of like, oh, I got oh, to process this. I got to work this out. Some of us are just avoiders. You've got a situation in your life, you're just like thinking, I'm going to wake up and this is not even going to be there. And you just avoid it. Let me tell you the danger of avoiding, though, by the way, is the enemy's tool is always to isolate you. I've learned that even as a pastor, I would always get, I'm a people-oriented pastor, so I'd be like, where are the Smiths? Even at the size of our church today, I'll ask routinely our pastor, tell me about so-and-so. I met them at 101. Where are they at? They're like, oh, they're going through something. I thought maybe we did something wrong. Like, where have they been? And say, no, they're going through something. So, so you're telling me when you're going through pain, you need less of the presence of God, less of the people of God, less of an atmosphere where God is, but that's how the enemy works. Oh man, we're struggling. We don't fit there because that's where everybody that's really celebrating and all's good, that's where they hang out. No, let me just tell you, the enemy's strategy is to isolate you so he can destroy you. That's what he tries to do. And now, one of the ways a lot of our current world expresses their frustrations of change is complain. 
They did it in this story, by the way. Murmured, complained. They didn't blame Moses. You gotta find somebody to blame. When you don't know what God should, if you're not following God, you gotta find somebody to blame. So we just start to complain, and now we have a world where you can complain to the whole world. Just get online and be like, bleh. We'll take less. We'll take less. Does that really help anything? You're like, okay, pastor, are you preaching at us? I know this about myself. Um, I can be all these. A few years ago, I let my team evaluate me in the area of my leading and working through change and problems. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I really don't. I don't recommend I just don't, you know. They did it anonymous, but I was trying to figure out who said what. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna tell you right now, you're not getting a Christmas bonus. Right. <laughs> and I mean, it was a great exercise because I had to grow and I had to say, hey, I see everything you've said and I wanna get better. But the truth was, all of those were on the report. Of course, I didn't believe it. I took it home to my wife. I said, here's what they said. Short. She's like, yeah, you're all of that. I'm like, well, thank you. Appreciate it, honey. Yeah, appreciate it. The truth is we can all be all of this, and if the change is intense enough, we may circle it along the way. The question is not, can we be that? Here's where it leads us. Here's where this human way of approaching change leads us. It leads us to this question. Where is God? Where is God? When's he going to show up? Where is God in all of this? What's happening? Where is he? We look at this story, this pillar of a cloud of fire, this following, this God reaching out. What's it trying to say to us? I want to read it again at what happened. They've now exited out of Egypt and they're crossing the Red Sea. And look what it says in verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them. On their way, by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So this is part of the story. Now, some of you read that story and you're like, I wanna get that nightlight, I want that cloud, I want that fire, but the truth is, everything in the Old Testament, you need to know this, some people dismiss the Old Testament. The number one thing you learn when reading the Old Testament is, it's trying to show us who God really is, the true and living God. And most people think he's mean, and most people think he's evil, and most people think he's cantankerous, and most people think he doesn't care, and most people think you can't trust him, and most people think like he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. But the truth is most of the things that characterize him are compassionate, long-suffering, forgiving. I'm thankful I'm not God, because when we finish reading this story, you're gonna feel this about these people. If you were God, it'd be like, frown to the toenails. But he keeps on pursuing and showing and guiding and loving at showing us his characteristics. And I love that there's reflective places like Nehemiah. Did you know in Deuteronomy, it tells of this story that he was like a father who carried them like a child. What a great image. What a great picture. This cloud didn't stop. They, after a little while in their journey out there in this wilderness, they set up a little makeshift church called the Tabernacle, and God's presence dwelt with them. Type and shadow, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. 
When we gather together and we seek him, he shows up and manifests his presence in those settings. Later, there was the temple, this holy place. There was a piece of furniture, God's presence, God's cloud there, if you will, dwelt around this piece of furniture. They take this piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant ahead into battle. And as long as that was going ahead of them, then they would see themselves victorious. Some of you are like, how do I get that furniture at my house? There's a story in the Old Testament where one guy had it in his house and they were like, we're losing. We better go over to Obed-Edom's and get it out of his house and get it in our house. That presence, that power, that cloud, that leading, that guiding, that manifestation of God's goodness, very powerful. But did you know, we're not looking for a piece of furniture. We're not even looking for a special room in a temple. Some of you don't know this, you see, we sing these songs, the veil is torn, and you see people around you going, yeah, yeah. You're like, what are we talking about, a bridal veil? The veil is torn, no. What that is, is there used to be a veil, a curtain that separated everyday humanity from the power and presence of God. We now live on the backside of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus' blood-bought sacrifice that a debt we could never pay. And because he paid that price, he ripped that veil. And we now have access. All of this imagery of the cloud is leading you to this understanding that we are blessed today because we have a God who didn't say, come up to me and figure out all of the situations and learn how to fix it and don't know what you should do and don't have any guidance, but Jesus came down to us. Come on, he came to us. That's why we sing, and I, was, I don't know about you, but I think about singing it in my little church, and what a friend we have. I'm thinking, oh yeah, you'll never meet a friend like Jesus. I'm telling you, I tell people all the time, if you ever meet that friend, you'll never trade him back in. You'll never say, you know what, I don't need you anymore. Because he is the answer to the pain of your soul. And the difference in him and every other God is not, here's my list of requirements, figure them all out. Most people can't even figure out what the requirements of most religions are. He didn't say that. He said, I'm gonna come finish all that for you and I'm gonna live in you and I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna guide you and I'm gonna direct you just like that cloud. The greatest things in my life, I didn't figure out. I didn't fix. I wanna to say to Hazlitt, some of you are like, why are we in Hazlitt? Well, here's the reality, Hazlitt, we had a family who started inviting young people to our Wednesday night services here, bringing them to their house. They ended up with two kids, four kids, 10 kids, 50 kids. You had moms driving those kids from there in Hazlitt over to our Wednesday night service. Shout out to the moms with all the soccer gear and baseball, come on, shout out to the moms, toting everybody around. Moms are the first Uber with no payment, okay? And so we decided to help the moms out. We started sending buses. Before you know it, we have 200 students coming from Hazlitt, coming here to get in the presence of God and understand who God is. And those students led us to the parents where right now there are two services of people that have gathered this morning in Hazlitt. We just followed the cloud to where God was working. I'm gonna give you a big revelation. We make this more complicated than it is. A lot of times it's see where God's moving and join him. Join him in what he's already doing. I think about in my own personal life, which is bigger than Hazlitt campus or even part of what we do as a church. I think about a moment I followed the cloud. My friend told me, he said, Jeff, you need to take your daughter. This is when my oldest daughter 
was, was younger. I get emotional about this, but she said, you need to take her to this camp. I had a lot going on in the church. And um, he said, you need to do this. It's a moment for you too. And I'm like, okay, wh- are we talking about camping? Or what kind of, because I've been to camp. And I'm not really into being uncomfortable. Anybody besides me, I'm just really not. I'm like, what star is this camp? And they're like, man, there's not no star at all on that camp. You go, there was like 15 men with their daughters in a separate bunk and the men stay in another bunk and you stay in bunk beds with bad mattresses. And I got there late, so I was on the top bunk. It shook. There's one bathroom. Some of you ladies are like, I'm out. No air conditioner. I'm not going to that. No air conditioner? That's a basic necessity of life for a big bald man like me. Everything about it was inconvenient. And when I tell this story, sometimes people listen, they go, was it the, tell me the camp. Tell me the technique you learned. It's not about that. I didn't want to go. A friend who I respect said go. For my oldest daughter and my middle daughter, a week, and I remember my oldest daughter, were walking down a path and she just reached over and grabbed my hand. It was a life-changing moment. Because we were like, okay, we're on the same team regarding all this stuff you're going to face. My, my middle daughter, I saw her. I saw the, the things she was facing. I couldn't do that in all the busyness that I was dealing with. And I had a compassion for her with the world she lives in, with the visual images and the insecurities and the things she would face. You're like, Pastor Jeff, are you some super spiritual parent who has it all figured? No, I just followed the cloud. If you'll just be sensitive, God will lead you to steps, moments away from what you think you, sometimes you don't even know what you should do, but he'll lead you if you'll let him. You say, okay, we're supposed to follow the cloud. What's God up to? Number one, here's our biggest problem in our culture. God never leaves us without direction, but we must want him more than we want his direction. I thought about this in my own life. Sometimes it's like, okay, If God said, you can have a closer relationship with me or the answer to your next two prayer requests, which one would we take? A lot of times while we miss this whole thing with God is, it's like, can I just go to him when I need something? Can you give me the YouTube video, the DIY, the do-it-yourself, God, if you'll just point the direction, if you'll just tell me the next three steps? And I know you care about this because I've been a pastor a long time. Number one question, what's God's will for my life? What do I do in this situation? How do I handle this problem? Like we have a hotline, hold on, God said. And sometimes you can get wisdom from wise people and I'm not dismissing that, but I think sometimes what we're asking for is give me the solution to what I'm facing and missing the fact that God is doing something in us to prepare us. Oh, just help me over this next hurdle. He doesn't wanna just help you over the next hurdle, he's preparing you for the other hurdles. He wants to show you the big picture. He wants you to have the mind of Christ. And what he takes you through this stuff is he's developing his nature and his character in you in the process. And he's so benevolent, many times he answers our prayers and he does miracles because that's the God he is. But I will tell you what's on his top agenda. He wants to have a relationship with you. My wife doesn't want to come to me and say, now how many date nights do I need to have this year so that I can fulfill your expectations? She wants me to have the heart to go on a date with her and plan it and figure out where to, but anyway, that's a different deal. That's a marriage talk and do it with a good attitude. All that, tough being a husband. No, I'm just saying. 
But, but do you want just the action or do you want the heart? Do you want your kid to obey the principle or do you want the heart? That's what God, the good father, wants from us. In my car driving, I have to get navigation help because you can't you know, text and drive. And so I'll have different ones in there. One of my daughters, she likes the navigation with like the British voice, you know? So it's like, they talk with, you know, so and anyway, so we're driving. I'll be like, we're going here. Well, they just type it in and they just trust the person on the phone. But I don't. I'm like, I'm reevaluating if they know what they're talking about. So it's like, you know, turn left. Okay, well, it's like, wait a minute. The British lady doesn't know what she's talking about because I do have what nobody else in the car has, a spatial understanding of geographically where I am on the planet. And you can't get to this by going this way. So then we have to figure out what's going on. Sometimes for us, it's like, could you just spit out in a British voice, God, what I'm supposed to do? And he's like, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to understand the big picture. Number two, some of you are like, I'm stuck in this, Jeff. I'm stuck. I feel like God's a million miles away. We get stuck when we stop following him. That's where we get stuck. Could I offer to some of you who feel like, man, I don't know what to do, go back to the last thing he said to follow him in. Here's some barriers to following Jesus, intellectual pride. It's a big one in today's world. I, I, we have so much access to so much information that we think we are God until we're not, until we fail ourselves. It's one of the largest barriers, so much unbelief, so much different perspective. Intellectual pride is a barrier. Pain's a barrier. How you process your pain will even affect how you see God, how you handle the things you go through. Cares of the world, big one for me. We're so busy with our lives sometimes, we don't have the margin to really see even what God's trying to say. Fear, it's always scary to follow the cloud. <laughs> It's just scary. It is. It's scary. It doesn't make sense. Everything in this journey with God would be like, I don't know about that, man. Oh, come on. Where is it? Your money, your child, your business, your job, your, what is it? Wherever he said it, and you know in your heart, no one else may even know. You know in your heart where it was that you said, no, not that. Nope, nope, not that. Nope, check in there. Whoop, nope, not going there. Too much pain there. Go back to that place and say yes and watch God's presence be, be manifest in your life at a different place. Unforgiveness. We spend so much time being consumed by what other people are saying and who they are and what they've done or done to us. We find ourselves in our world today looking for revenge, looking for some way to get them to understand what they've done, that what it does is consumes all of our energy and emotion away from actually following God and letting him lead us. It can totally consume you. Like at night where God could be speaking to you, you can be just totally consumed with the thoughts of what someone else did. I've been there. Let me tell you something crazy about Jesus. Jesus actually says that you forgive them and you don't have the torment anymore. You, when you say, I forgive them, and you're like, forgive them, they've done this, they've done that, they've done this. No, but when you forgive them, it releases you from the torment, which puts you in a better position to actually receive what God's trying to say to you. On the backside of you just saying, I forgive them, as hard as that may be, you might find that cloud comes into clear view. Insecurities, our own personal insecurities makes us self-conscious instead of God-conscious. Years ago, I took a group of people to the Holy Land 
I was gonna shoot some videos and talk about some of these stories of Jesus. And I'll never forget, I'm hosting people and I'm thinking about where we're going and the first location that we go to is the Sea of Galilee. I'll never forget, I show up at the Sea of Galilee, I don't have a manuscript of my notes. And I just kind of step on that beach and I'm thinking about this story of when Jesus called his first followers, his disciples. And I'm sitting there thinking about it and it's like, Jesus didn't have a big marketing plan. He didn't, he didn't have a, a 10 point reason why you should do what I'm telling you to do. He's just like what we see in the cloud. Did you know that cloud that manifested in Jesus too. Jesus took his disciples up on a mountain. Moses was there, Elijah was there. And the cloud came down and the father who's in heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And so this Jesus now empowered with that, he takes and comes to this beach there at the Sea of Galilee and he tells these fishermen, he gets this big elaborate sales pitch, follow me. And I just started thinking, what if I was one of those guys? Jesus, hold on. Do you have a SWOT analysis? Do you have a strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats? Jesus, do you have insurance? Jesus, do you have an analyst on your team that has found out if there's any risks that we need to mitigate related to this? Man, you know what's the hardest part for American people to follow Jesus? We are so risk conscious that we worship it at all costs. Jesus says, follow me. Nets, business, boats. I know what I'd be doing. Where are we going, Jesus? I've been like Peter all the time. Hey, where are we headed? Follow me. What's gonna happen when we get there? Follow me. Come on, Jesus. What's plan B, Jesus? Follow me. Let me make this as simple as possible. Follow is the command, not figure out, not decide, and not lead, follow, follow, follow. In fact, if you're here going, I don't even know about Jesus, I don't know how to follow him, I don't know the scenarios, I, I, I'm learning, and we have a lot of people in that place, in that trip at these different locations of Jesus, I wrote a book that I'd love to give you if you wanna just know more about Jesus. I meet so many people who are struggling with the Bible. They're like, Jeff, I get it, I don't, and they, you know, I don't know where to go, you know, I start in Revelation, and you're like, oh, what are these beasts, and all of you know, and, and, and so they don't know what to do. This little book can help guide you through some of the stories of Jesus, and if you text that number, wherever you're at, online, any location, we'll give you one this weekend to help you get growing in a closer relationship, not with the solution to your problem, but the one who will walk you through your problem. His name is Jesus. Number three, he doesn't reveal the whole journey. The cloud only reveals one step at a time. That's the problem with it. I know a lot of things that he's led me into. If he'd have given me a 10-point list of what's involved in that, I probably would have said, I don't think I want to do that, Jesus. But I'm amazed at it. As simple as it is, as I watch people taking steps and following him, it's amazing to me. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. We have lots of services, people online. You may not have been in this service or saw this, but in one of the services, I had a friend of mine's daughter Mine are getting older, so I just adopt other people's kids because I love being a dad. So his little kids, I've just kind of adopted them. And the oldest, she gave her life to Christ. And uh, 
man, I just, I wanted to baptize her. So I just, I, I went and I was sitting there in the back getting ready to do the baptism. And I was listening to these people's stories. 68 year old man who's getting baptized. I had opportunity to baptize him. Did you know the older you get and the more you depend on yourself and the longer you live outside of following the cloud, the harder it becomes to follow the cloud? Because you've built up resistance. And I thought, what an amazing manifestation of God's goodness that a 68-year-old man right now says, I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole life. I saw a man in there who told me his story. He grew up Hindu. His family started coming to our church, and he was in there, and I got a chance to baptize him. I see a hunger in people today right now more than I've ever seen with all the challenges. I know you're not going to get this from the news, but let the pastor speak for a minute. We have the greatest opportunity that many of us have ever seen right now to share with people the hope of Jesus because when you've been leading yourself and the world's on fire, you're looking for a different leader. You're looking for a different hope. And I saw people taking steps, and I'm amazed by it. I'm amazed by it. You say, Jeff, what step do I? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You want your child to change, and you want God to change your child, but maybe he's trying to change you. Maybe you need to, instead of saying, you need to get it together. He's like, there's a lot of passion in that because I've raised teenagers. Come on now. Their, their brain stems don't connect for a little while. Y'all do know that. It's not linked. But God's doing something in you. Follow the cloud. Follow the cloud. I want my spouse to change. I want them to get it. No, what's he saying to you? We talk a lot here about our grow track. Why do we do that? I talk about it, let me tell you why. I'm not talking about theory, I'm talking about what works. We, we're having it today, 101 today. People are gonna meet Jesus, people are gonna find friends, people are gonna find vision for their life, they're gonna find a way to get connected to something bigger than themselves. They're gonna find a way to be a part of that multi-generational deposit of the advancement of God's kingdom. It's gonna happen today and next week. If you haven't taken that step, you need to follow the cloud to that step, that's your first step, 301. You need to make that your small group this semester. That's where people find friends. I see it happen all the time. Joint, we, why do we talk about small groups? Why do we talk about these things? Is it church programs? No. It's about taking spiritual steps like my friend saying, Jeff, you need to go to this camp. You have all the reasons. The bunks, I work on Monday night. This doesn't fit my schedule. I've already been to it, been to done it. Other Forget all that. Follow the cloud. Follow what God's telling you to take that step. And what you find on the backside of every time you take a step with God is you run right into what he's trying to do and what he's trying to say in your life. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. There's somebody listening to me I know right now. You've not said yes to Jesus. You say, Jesus, come into my life. You sum it all up. I'm gonna ask no one at either campus or any place, any venue to move around right now unless it's an emergency. This is a serious moment. There's some of you just need to say, Jesus, I give it all to you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that you want to have a relationship with me and I surrender my life to you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I want you to be my Jesus, not a concept or a theory. Become my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know. I'm going to ask you to come forward maybe at the end of the service or come to 101. Second of all, there's some of you looking for guidance. You're looking for leadership. You're looking for, for, for God to, to help you in your circumstance, and he's closer than you think. You, you, I just, I'm praying for you right now. You've been on my heart all week. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna reveal yourself. You're gonna turn 
hearts towards you. And we thank you, Lord, you haven't left us in the wilderness with no guidance. You're right there. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.